Alyssa. It's good to have you back. Hi. Thank you for being on. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you for having me on again for the second time. Yeah, it's been a while. I think it's almost been a year. No, it's been mm -hmm. more than a year. Honestly, I don't know. I, I can't keep track of dates anymore. But you were one of my first, one of my first um, guests. And so I'm excited to have you back on, especially now that I'm more comfortable. And I feel like our last one was quite the interesting interview, seeing as you were in your car, because I think you were at your friend's house and still decided yeah. to do the interview, um, which was a great interview, by the way. But uh, I'm happy Thank to have you. you back on. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. How's, I, how's DC? It's good. DC is good. I think um, the last time we had that conversation, I was just getting ready to move. Yeah. So it's been almost a year now. I think um, I moved here late October. That's the time crazy. flies. Insane. I know. Yeah, I it's know. crazy. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, you were still in the Bay Area and you were moving out there and I was excited and nervous for you. But look at you now. You're all settled. <laughs> um, yeah. Hopefully everything's going good with your work and life. And yeah, work is good. Art could be better. I definitely need to produce more. Yeah. But I mean, you're still good. working in art-related things, right? So you want to explain a little yeah. bit of what you do right now? Yeah, so my title is Arts Education Specialist, and I work for the D.C. Commission on the Arts and Humanities, and I've been with them for almost a year now. Mm, fancy. Basically, what we do is we um, provide grants for arts organizations and artists. So that's really cool. You get to see the back end of grant writing and uh, mm, yes. as an artist, which I think will benefit you future-wise. Inshallah. Inshallah. Yes. Once you start producing, yalla. Once I start producing, yeah. You got to find the time for Inshallah. it. I know. I'm still, I need to stop putting old work into into things and make new work. Yeah. I've been submitting. But I mean, um, you've been successful. Didn't you just have like something in London yeah. showing? Yeah. Um, my video, The Conversation, uh, got shown in London. It was um, my film got accepted into the In Short Film Festival. Mm -hmm. And that, um, it, I guess it's kind of like a traveling fest film festival. Um, they start off in London and then it goes to Poland. So the London show, it was a sold out show, That's which was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know if my, like specifically if that was because of me or just all the 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 festival of was sold it out. Was because of you. So let me know. Of course it was. No. So um, yeah. So mid October it gets shown in Poland. Nice. And that's really exciting. I was hoping to go, but it doesn't. It doesn't look like I'll be able to, which is okay. Poland is kind of far. It's kind of far. Yeah. Yep. And then hopefully, inshallah. Um, there's going to be a private screening at UC Berkeley mm -hmm. with a YSA um, for that. And inshallah, I'll be able to go uh, for like a Q&A. I really want to go and see. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've actually seen it as uh, an, an on display before. So, yeah. Well, did you see it in Oakland? You came. You Or was that no, just Khalid? Khalid only came. I didn't know. Oh, yeah, that was just Khalid. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be my first time seeing on display. So I hope that I can make yeah. the arrangements to be there if I'm in the country because I'm leaving. So yeah. we'll see. That's exciting. I'm happy for you. And I look forward I'm to you producing more so that we can see more of your 
ideas. So going back to what I was talking about, um, I definitely remember all the times we shared in the art department and a lot of the the moments of producing and talking, but I think a lot of our conversations were what, you know, kind of stuck with me over the years. And I always felt like you and I and other people that were around us, but we always love to talk about things that weren't your, um, the normal conversations I think have being had outside of, you know, maybe in privacy or just things that people didn't talk about because it was just not, not normalized or was taboo or whatever it was. I think you and I have probably discussed everything that there is in the book. Um, and one of them being uh, sexual assault. And so kind of what inspired this concept obviously is what the the political climate right now in, in terms of like, not just the political, but even like in pop culture and in media, the the Me, the Me Too movement and like the, the, the influx of conversations towards sexual harassment, sexual assault. And... Um, I just felt like it's so important that we kind of bring those conversations that are being discussed up here and kind of bringing it down to our community levels and seeing if this is the right opportunity or chance for us to start the conversation. So I thought, okay, let's let's start this conversation. Why not me and you start the conversation mm -hmm. regardless? I mean, obviously it's just you and I on the Skype thing and whoever's listening on the podcast, but it's something. And I, I always feel like something, no matter how little... Um, can have some type of impact or have like that domino mm -hmm. effect but I was just kind of waiting for not just the right time but also the right person I felt like I would feel comfortable talking to about this and I feel like would be uh, useful to the conversation and would have useful things to say or at least you know in my opinion and so obviously with everything that's happening um, you know in in the states here with the Kavanaugh case and the Supreme Court um, seat and his sexual assault allegations. But even prior to that, obviously we had the um, Harvey Weinstein and the Bill Cosby and just like the mm -hmm. Me Too movement. And so I was just, when I was thinking about all of this happening and it's, you know, so powerful to see people kind of come forth. And it's interesting even for me to learn about reasons as to why people um, hold back from disclosing any type of trauma that they endure and just things that I never even knew they, you know, they experience in terms of like suppressing certain things. And when it comes back, like, you know, the idea of seeing someone taking one of the highest powers in the country would trigger something that made you feel like, okay, I need to step up and say something about, about this because of something he did to me. So anyways, my, my idea is like, okay, so this is, this conversation is obviously out in the news. It's in front of our faces. It's on social media. How do we take advantage of this time and bring the conversations down to our community levels and kind of use this open space that's kind of like the door's been cracked and like we can open it and, and start having discussions about what sexual assault looks like in our communities, how we deal with it, sexual harassment, sexual, um, you know, domestic violence and abuse, uh, because obviously it's completely lacking, at least in our own community. And so don't you feel like that's such an important topic? And do you do you really do you feel as much as I do, like the gap that we have in terms of um, having those conversations and being more open about it? Yes, I do think this is it's a very important time to talk about this. I think that our community um, doesn't address it. I know when you, I'm glad you told me why you chose me to talk about this with 
So when you sent me that text, I thought, why would she want to contact me of, of everyone, you know, of like yeah. uh, someone who studies this or someone who knows how to talk about policy and that kind of stuff where me, I'm just, I mean, I'm full of opinions, especially when it comes to our community. <laughs> I kept thinking wonder, or wondering, you know, why me? Um, and I was hesitant to say yes because of that and because it's such a, a huge conversation to have. So there was a lot of doubt in my head of, of me thinking, well, no, I mean, I don't know if I'm the right person for her to talk to about this. But I was, again, thinking more on the on the lines of I'm not somebody who could, who could talk about policy. Or I'm not somebody who could like you can go to and, and talk about mental health or talk say, well, why aren't women who are sexually abused speaking uh, speaking up? Why are they quiet? Why are women in domestic violence homes not speaking up? So yeah, I did have like a lot of doubt. Like your own, like what, what value do I bring to this conversation? Is that what you were thinking? Um, not what in terms value. Of professional or yeah, maybe? like in terms more of a professional, like of okay, let's take action and now what can we do besides me having like my opinions and saying yeah, this is a problem because I know it. I know it because I'm part of that community and I'm part of, and I'm a woman. Exactly. exactly. So, so <laughs> and, I can say something. The the reason obviously like I I have people I can talk to that are professionals in mental health and people that you know I have contacts locally, not necessarily Muslims, but people who deal with. Um, receiving women or men who deal with this type of trauma um, and they know how to deal with them in terms of disclosing that but I think that sometimes having the conversation with the normal like not I don't want to say the normal people but just your average everyday person that's mm -hmm. sometimes where the change happens it's it's not so much that you like I think there's pieces of the puzzle that are needed but we are needed mm -hmm. as just people who maybe don't think that they can make a, a drastic change but our voice I think has a lot of power and our voice can really push for that you know change in the way that we as our community perceive it because a professional can try to address the issue on a like local level or on you know like on a like a face-to-face -face level or really reach out to those people to start talking about it but I think we're more powerful doing it than um, a professional whether it's mm -hmm. someone in the medical field or the mental health field or you know um, social services, I think that we can be more engaging, and then we can bring in those people and be the bridge kind of between the two and help them. You know, we can relay that information properly to the people that need to hear it. If that makes sense, so that's exactly yeah. why I asked you to be on this, and you know, Great. super excited that you're here. But going back to to that conversation, like you know, obviously we don't talk about it, and I and. Um, I had, so on top of just everything that's going on in the news, I got invited again to our local center, um, and it's an outreach center for sexual violence, um, sexual abuse and domestic violence to do like a cultural competency, uh, mm -hmm. training thing for, about Muslims, Muslims more specifically Arabs, cause I'm Arab and the gentleman that was with me, he's also Arab. Um, and he kind of just came to give the male perspective. And so they were asking, okay, well, what kind of resources do you have at the masjid? No, very good perspective. We need to understand yeah. Yeah, what, no, of what course. the male mind is thinking in terms of these situations. I know. I feel like a lot of people hesitate to include um, the male voice in certain conversations that oftentimes in, involve I... women. Yes. But it is important but... that we have the right people. We need them on our side regardless. We do, we do. But, but... 
And there's people. Our community is a little. They give. They give too much. Yeah, yeah. Of male voice, and I'm not saying that they're anti. No, the male voice is very present with us or against us. It's very present, but there's not a lot of room for a woman to come and speak up. Yeah. So it's always like, well, let's have this man who's on our side to come and speak up. Yeah. No. And and honestly, in this instance, it was really more so like. I was the one speaking and he was there just to address anything that a gap that I couldn't maybe fill in terms of like the, the, the male part of it. Cause I'm not in those conversations with men. I don't know how they view it. I don't know how, uh, what kind of approaches or resources they think seem to be fit because like you said, their voice is the most dominant in our community. So, uh, we need to know what their mindset is to see if they're even thinking about, they could be provi- thinking about providing some type of resource that's completely inadequate to the need, if that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, so he was there, and then one of the ladies asked us, what's your protocol, what's your process if a woman comes to you and says, I was sexually you know, assaulted, I was raped, my husband you know, is, is abusing me, and we looked at each other, and there's, you know, we just looked at each other, and we're like, there's, there is no um, protocol, there's nothing that honestly we would do, and we kind of have always dealt with it on such a like small, like hush-hush level, these type of situations, which is unfortunate because I don't think it ever yields the best results for the person being abused, for the victim. And so that in itself, like, sparked that in my mind, like, oh my God, you know, maybe I can talk to someone about it on the podcast and start that conversation. This is a really interesting conversation just because it makes me ask myself so many questions. Yeah, like what? Like, um, okay, like, if you're here in the United States and you're sexually assaulted, raped, beat, then there are laws, you should go to the police and then that's how it can go. So we don't we, sh- we don't have a separate policy. I get that, yes, because we're families of immigrants and immigrants, that there, there's, you know, stuff that we don't, that they don't know, that people who are, who just came to this country that might not feel comfortable doing or not knowing, but we all have that available to us. So I think it it should, it's more of like, well, what are we doing as a community to inform women who are in those situations? Like whose responsibility is that? Yeah. I don't know. Is that more in the family? Is that the mess, you know, the mess kids? Where does that go? If a woman were to go to the mess kid and like speak to the imam and say, my husband just, it beats me every day and cheats on me and rapes me, then what, what would the man do? I don't think they go, they don't go for the, you know, going to law enforcement and going to the different like government type resources. Mm -hmm. uh, Because again, our, the way that our culture stands in, in terms of keeping everything very private and quiet and trying to fix things behind closed doors. And that's one of the things why we do the trainings is because there's this, there's this like empty space and lack of awareness between those agencies and our community. So I feel like one 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 part is like we have to educate them on our community. They have to know how to address women, men and women in our community because they have to understand how our culture is and they have to understand that immigrants, I think, and this is across the board, immigrants who come here and are dependent mm-hmm. on someone um, are less likely to disclose trauma because they're fearful of losing their status. They're feel, fearful of... Um, not being able to be independent. There's a lot of things. Because I even think that the, the abusers, like, you know, they know this type of information. If someone is inclined to want to abuse someone and they know that 
that person's not going to speak up. You know, that's an opportunity for them. They see that vulnerability. Um, but also a part of it is we should have something in our masajid that support women and make it as normal because mm-hmm. I think regardless, you're Muslim, Arab, whatever you are, I think to, to come forth and say that you went through something is hard. But we have, I think, no safety nets and no comfortability in terms of anyone coming out and saying. I think that that's kind of, that's where, what I'm getting to is like first questioning, well, okay, why don't we feel that we have the same rights as everyone else in this country, right? right? So it's like, why can't we? I mean, of course, there are women here in the U.S. who don't report either. That's obvious and has been very clear the last few months is that women don't report this. Um, So I guess what I would be concerned with, again, like, because I have to now just think, all right, well, our community and our community isn't doing anything. They're not talking about what's going on still, even with everything in the news, they're still not talking about it. Like, I don't know if an imam has, I feel like as a religious leader, right, they should like bring that up. That's something that's relevant. It's something that's happening today to even like announce that before prayer and say, hey, this is happening. This is a concern. These are, here are some resources. Right. Have like things posted at the masjid about that. And have it in different Have languages. a helpline and in different languages. So that would be... And and that and the masjid is a place that's welcomed. You know, you're welcome to go as a woman and a man. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, as strict as our culture can be, sometimes women are not allowed to go to certain, you know, go to certain places. They have to go with a family unit, and the masjid is usually that place. Like everyone can go, hopefully. Yeah. No, no, I I definitely agree, and I think it's just the thing is, is all of this needs to be facilitated by who I don't know and sometimes I think is it me is it you is it is it us is it us like I don't is know is it the first generation you know who who grew up here who understand both cultures I think it it partly think, our responsibility I, think, I I would have to agree I think that it's our responsibility because we've been in a way blessed with knowledge and um independence a little just like enough of what we need to actually make a change i do believe that and it's something that i think about a lot because it's like am i am i taking advantage of what god has blessed me with and giving back to my community or giving back to people that do need the help i don't Mm -hmm. necessarily worry about our generation as much i mean obviously i think depending on how your current like the current state of your family's traditions and how they view things is going to affect whether or not you're vocal but I think most of us now if if faced in a very horrible situation would figure out a way out you know you have you have you speak the language you have a car you have access you know accessibility to people to to different organizations not that it would be easy but it's still better than to some women who come here and don't have a car and like literally can't escape their home, which is supposed to be their safe, you know, their safest place. And maybe their home is the least safest place that they could be. Yeah. So I don't know. I I just, I just felt like, you know, this conversation needs to be discussed or this conversation needs to be uh, listened to and Mm -hmm. maybe talked about more and more and more and more and more and more (laughs) just to like, like get it going like it's it's weird we don't we don't talk about it and like you said we're, we, don't. we have every right as everyone else to these resources that are provided to us through our tax dollars and like 
you know, through nonprofit organizations and yet. Yeah, and, and it's very unlikely that a Middle Eastern person here will be, because there are a lot of immigrants who are afraid to um, go to the, the police because they're on, they're undocumented. But that's very unlikely for us because it's not like we, you know, the to get here is such yeah. a, you have to have some type of documentation. Like there's just no way, no real way around that. So what keeps us from it's, is it's really the culture. It's and, the taboo and, the, the and it's being the dependency. Yeah. Because <sighs> I think women fear that they're going to lose their children. They're going to fear that they won't provide for their children alone. I mean, they're coming into a country that is very foreign to them. Um, you know, to an extent, although, you know, the Western culture is pretty globalized, but it's still foreign to them. Their language isn't, maybe they haven't learned the language. And so how are they supposed to take care of themselves? And they probably don't know that there's resources to help yep. them, like social yeah, welfare. They and That's true. I, I was also wondering, um, when we talked about this a little bit the other day, and I, I thought about it some more, and I, and I don't know what Middle, like our country, Yemen, like what Yemen does in this situation? Like, can a woman just call the police? Now or before? Because I think now, obviously, now, there's, there's now there are infrastructure now to for really any type of yeah. public service. But I can tell you that when I was there, there was um, an orphanage and it did take in women who were either um, abandoned by their husbands or they were widows and it did help take care of them and their, their children. But in terms of that's the thing is like it's I think a woman with children, that's kind of one thing. But what about a girl who faces abuse mm-hmm. in her household or has been raped and mm-hmm. is struggling with that and or even, her family's not accepting it? Where does she go? A yeah, or married. even forced into marriage because that's a real thing that that still happens. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not as often. Uh, well, the forced marriage I can't speak to. I don't know the stats. Obviously, we know that that happens. I don't think anyone would deny what happens in our culture and traditions and, and like how that setup is. Um, but I, I don't know what the resources are. Um, I, I would imagine that for the most part, they're lacking in almost every place except maybe big cities like Sana'a and mm-hmm. Aden. Um, but you know what? Women in Yemen are amazingly like powerful and amazingly like kind of aggressive with their work. So you'd actually find that a lot of movements and a lot of progressivism is happening within like women yeah. in Yemen which is yeah, amazing. I, yeah. it's amazing so yeah. I, I would hope and I would assume that there's things like happening but unfortunately with the way that the the way that the country is right now I don't know how much help they're getting in terms of I think they've improved and there is this like that huge breakout story of um child brides that happened that girl and I know that because of her they they made some sort of policy yeah. I know that I remember that happening I can't remember exactly the, what it said the Zawaj al-Qasirat so like the the minor like getting married as a minor and I think mm-hmm. now they raised the age to I want to say 18 I'm actually not sure but it was it after, after puberty or something like that which I mean that's not so it was still young <laughs> but I don't like that con- I don't like that um, law because I feel like you're it's very relative the puberty thing because the girls can can hit bu- puberty as young as like nine I think yeah and yeah. so you know to say that there's a lot of flexibility and I think a lot of yeah. mistreatment that could still and oppression that could still happen so I, I definitely don't like that I think it should just be um, 
18 and 16, like with consent of the girls yeah. or whatever. Kind of like yeah. how it is, I think, here in the States. But yeah. um, you're right. Like, obviously, in the Middle East, there's other things that, you know, women and maybe men are facing, too, because... I don't know, maybe if, if, if women, abu- if, if female abuse isn't discussed in our communities, I think male abuse is definitely not discussed in our communities. I'm sure it's happening. Yeah. Which is a real thing, especially among children and teenagers. Exactly. That's a special, when it comes to sexual assault, like the stories are endless with that as well. Definitely. That There's is a, a very real thing. Yeah, but I think that's even more, almost more taboo than, than the girl thing, especially if it's a like uh, a male predator and a male victim, then it just mm-hmm. becomes, you know, I think a lot of it stems from shame and the family honor. And like, when you want to disclose trauma to try to address it or try to, you know, prevent it from happening to someone else or to seek justice, you really are putting yourself out there. And I think that's the biggest thing is no one or rarely do people want to put themselves out there. And if I experience trauma and I want to disclose that information for justice or for whatever reason like my family may be the reason why I don't because they convince me otherwise because of again the shame and you know the fact of everyone knowing your business there's um our our cult I hate saying this but like our community is very sexist in that way where you know a woman, if anything were to happen to her, then that's it. There's no leniency. There's no, no sure. leeway. There's no, okay, you made a mistake or the mistake has been done or something has happened because they're... Or you're a victim, you know. Or you're a victim. It, it's not even... It's, it's, that's, what did you uh, it's very frustrating. That, yes, it's very frustrating because it's it becomes, you know, it's victim blaming. So it's it's on you and your shoulders to not only protect yourself, but you're in charge of protecting your whole family's reputation. Yeah. So it's a lot of like pressure on you to sit there as a woman to have to carry your whole family's name. And if you if one thing happens to you, whether you want it or not, whether you invited it or not whatever happens to you, then it's like, well, that's that. And I think that's why women are so quiet. They don't speak up. And we learn that at a very young age. We learn that very quick that, oh, no, because, you know, I played played jump rope that one time and got caught. Now I'm in trouble because I was playing with a boy. And, you know, you learn that at a very young age when your family tells you, like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And you have that in your head, like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this because it's aib, it's shameful. And now I've just, like, risked my whole family's reputation because I did this. So maybe it does does start at such a young age, and it might not even be a conversation of, like, trauma or any type of abuse, but it could be just the interactions with the opposite sex or doing things that aren't um, for a girl. We're taught that. We're taught that. We're We're also taught the backlash. You know, is on us, and we get older. And we, if 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 playing with a boy in the playground is going to get me in trouble, what's going to happen if they find out that someone you know assaulted me, you know, sexually? We were also taught at a very young age that men and boys can behave certain ways, and we cannot. And if we if we go and play with this kid, then something can happen and that's just the way they behave so we have to be cautious it's not really them that have to be cautious we have to be protective of ourselves at all times because god knows what they might do and if they do it that's just because that's just the way that boys behave that's just the way that men behave an excuse for them 
And I think that's it's like how many times that could I could you know I can't even say how many times something was too tight on me and it attracted someone else's attention, but because of you know it's, it was my fault, I got yelled at and I got you know in trouble with my family because of that, and it wasn't that man didn't have any accountability, moved on with his day, you know, said what he said, and that was that, but I got the the you know the burden of the the burden and the, the beating <laughs> for it well you know that's like so, the oldest tale told really when it comes yeah. to this stuff i mean not just even within specific cultures but you know something happens and it's always it's not you know how did this happen why it's more like what did you do to entice this and you know what what could you have done to prevent it? And it's like, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about this the other day. You could be in full hijab. You could be uh, your face covered. You could be as, cover- you know, you could be as modest as possible, as quiet, doing your own thing. And you can still face sexual harassment. And I think that most women I know can speak to that, including myself, that you could be completely covered in Yemen or here in the States. And someone could still, you know, sexually harass you either verbally or physically. And, at that point, it's like, okay, so that that whole excuse of like, oh, well, you were wearing something that was enticing them and stuff, it, it doesn't roll because if a man is if a man is sick in his head or if a man is just wanting to do whatever the hell he wants because he thinks that and he has woman, the right to. Man or woman, yeah. Exactly, man or woman, uh, they're going to do it, you know? Yeah. They, I don't think they care at that point. I do think that they look for, you know, vulnerability and they look for maybe targets and know that as Muslim women maybe or like, men too because men aren't going to disclose that they were sexually assaulted because most people think like really like a woman's going to come on to you and you're going to refuse her and she's going to force herself on you there's a lot of people who don't believe that that's you know an actual thing and again it's 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 unfortunate because even all these mentalities are silencing people and really setting us back in terms of like moving forward with these conversations and you know, helping people really find peace in, in traumas that they went through, you know? Yeah, it's really sad. It's really unfortunate. And I do think that it's we're taught this as kids. We're taught this at a very young age. Yeah. It's funny because when you said that, it, it was something I hadn't thought about, and it just kind of registered, I guess, um, that it, it, it started at a young age, and it started with something as simple and as innocent as playing with a boy in in the playground or you know um having talk talking about a boy in your classroom and like something you did like you know the innocence mm-hmm. of that and it's like they fear yep. it you know and and I get it like they're immigrants they don't know um and I'm speaking about here in in the United States they don't know and so they're fearful and they don't because you know in Yemen a lot of schools are segregated they're not co-ed so they don't know what to do with this, and they're fearful of just, like, us somehow turning, letting loose. <laughs> but you get traumatized by that stuff because you're so fearful of, like, they catch me playing with a boy, like, I'm going to get in trouble. So imagine if, like, in the future a boy is, you know, harassing me or making me feel uncomfortable, then I can't talk about that because they're just going to assume that I was, like, super comfortable around guys and, like, I was inviting guys to be around me and honestly those thoughts go through your head and so it just kind of it's something that kind of grows with you and it's something that you take you know from your childhood and it's 
that's interesting. I think that's a key part of the conversation is where does it start? And it really does start at a young age and like what we teach young girls about not just, you know, who they interact with, but self-esteem too. Like, you know, you Mm -hmm. carry yourself confidently and you know your worth and you know what you're doing is not wrong, then no one can judge you for that. And even as parents, I think, I wish, you know, I don't think that there's much hope for the older generation, but I wish that that was the mentality that they had. It's like, it doesn't matter if you're with a guy or with a girl or whatever, but if you know your morals and you know yourself and you're, you're, you're confident, like there's, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And that way when they do get older and they do have someone harassing them or someone doing something, they can talk about it because, you know, they're they're They have that confidence. They feel entitled to that right to speak up, you know, I don't know. Such a, such an interesting topic. Just, it is. It's also very sad. It, it makes me really sad thinking about it because I know that there are that there are that there are, you know, women out there who are being abused and they just don't know who to talk to or who to go to and are really are afraid of this yeah. like country and what it might take away their husbands or you know, and them not knowing, well, okay, I don't how am I going to support myself and what's out there for me? And even resources here, it's great. We have resources, but they're not, accessible. they're not that much. <laughs> they're not that much. And they're not you know, accessible it's not to enough. us, uh, to not necessarily us, but like, it's not accessible to immigrants. It's not accessible to people mm-hmm. who's, who are ESL English as a second language, or even, you know, don't speak English, non-English speaking. So I don't know. There's definitely yeah, a lot it, of work that needs to be put out there, but I, I don't I really do think I really do think our community it it needs to come from the masjid it needs to come from the mosques and the churches like there's you know Arab who are not Muslim and you know but that's like where we go that's where both sexes go that's where the bully pope is yeah it's you know and it needs to come from from an imam that can talk about it and say hey this is a real issue that we face um and talk about and, like the, we need to talk about it how the religion discusses how to address it because maybe we don't even have the knowledge of how that's supposed to happen but even in terms of like you know i think islam is so highlights so much the idea of helping those who are oppressed helping minorities helping those basically who need help and like you know obviously someone who's been through some trauma needs help and yeah. what are we doing as muslims and this will definitely help help the con- you know the conversation about how Islam believes in abusing women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know it says Maybe, like your husband know, can beat you. Yeah, the lack of no, it's not okay to exactly. beat her. And and the and lack how, of that you know conversation it maybe perpetuates that mentality that mm-hmm. people have that stereotype. And it also defend like w- women who are not educated in in the Middle East and who do not you know know. And their husbands use that, like, well, in the Quran, it says that I can beat you. And, yeah. it, you know, and so they think, well. There's, well that's taken out of context. It is, and, but um, it happens. Oh. Yeah. Don't even get me started on that. There's so many things that men, well, uh, let's just say people, because I don't want to, people are going to start calling me sexist, but men. And also, you know, like people who are very racist or people that are very ignorant towards Islam, they use. I feel like you can't call a woman sexist. <laughs> That's You're not like, allowed. Right? 
no. I, I thought about that. So I really so, no, you can't. Really, really it's like quick. only a person of color races. Like you, I, I don't know. Well, l- 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 let's different, let's, but this is like a whole nother topic. And my sister Hannah and I actually talked about like doing a research study on it because she's a sociology major, and uh, I was a political science major. So we were talking about the ism, so racism. You know, the definition in itself says that it's about you know people who have been oppressed, right? Um, and so, you know, there's that conversation is like, can you be racist towards white people? And so I started thinking about the ism and I was like, okay, well, can you be, can, can, can you be sexist against a woman? Because technically sexism stemmed from women being oppressed by men. Mm-hmm. So in what time in history have men been oppressed by women? And then there's Never. the idea of ageism and, and so on and so forth. And so, I don't know, that's just a whole nother conversation and we're just, we're just not going to get into that. But, um, <laughs> Sorry, I have just a lot of stuff where my mind goes and like a lot of interesting thoughts. So obviously this conversation in itself is not going to be the solution to this and I'm not looking for necessarily a solution. I think I just want to spark a conversation. I'd love to hear from anyone listening to this. Like you can send me a message via any form of messaging um, on social media or email to know what people think are the steps or you know the different points that need to be addressed in terms of um, starting that conversation that's being discussed in the media and in politics and like women being comfortable coming out and speaking about because even even outside of like the actual cases we know of there's women that are like this movement where they're just like normal women are going online on Facebook and on Instagram and talking about when I was this age, this happened to me. Like, I was raped. Mm-hmm. I was this. And so how do we bring that to our level where we can normalize it? Like, it, it's not going to be easy. There's, It's not going to yeah. be, like, overnight it would everyone's going to accept it. It would be great if we could if we could do something like that, even if it was, you know, respond anonymously and say something that happened to you. Because I have I have so many stories that I could share yeah. and say, yeah, so this did happen. That happened. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot. <laughs> what? Why are you not None of your business. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Damn, shot down. No, but honestly, and, and I can answer this question for myself too. Why don't you feel comfortable talking about them? I'm assuming you don't because you're saying the, the anonymous thing and you said you have things you would share if it was anonymous. And and I'm not saying you um, should feel comfortable. I, I think everyone is at their own pace. If they want to disclose, if they don't want to disclose. But for what reasons would you not disclose? Again... Um, even me being almost, almost 40 years old, still feeling that pressure that family Mm -hmm. brings upon you. That's just like, okay, if people know this or that, then, you know, oh, well, that's probably why she has never been married or, oh, that's like in the community, they'll start saying things. And it's not true. You know, nothing, um, this is a weird thing to talk about. Because I, I don't know. even want to say what I was about to say. It, it's not even, and because I'm not trying to make it sound like anything that's ever happened to me was so small that, oh well, it was so small. It's not damaging to my family's reputation because that's not that's it's not okay, and everything that has happened is not okay. Um, I would share some, like I would share some. I would share, you know, when I was in Yemen and I was 10, 11 years old, fully covered, fully covered from head to toe, face and everything. And I remember I was walking home from the market and there was a man and he lifted up his thobe and revealed his, his penis. 
and started to like come towards me really fast and chased me till I was maybe three houses down from my house and then stopped. Fully covered, 10, 11 years old, that happened to me. So real early in life, I learned, oh, my mom and dad were right, stay away from from men because this these things can happen to you. Oh, this is what they were telling me to be careful about. Oh, you know, and did I go home and tell my mom and dad? No, because I knew <laughs> that if I told them, I would never be allowed to go to the market alone again or period. And take away from your... Take away from my liberties. So, yeah. And I think that's probably why a lot of women don't, in our community, don't even report little things that, you know, oh, this person said something sexual about the way I'm dressed because they're probably afraid that their parents are going to say like, oh, well, maybe you should be homeschooled instead of going to a regular public school. They fear that their privileges, quote unquote privileges, which, you know, some of them are their, their human rights would be taken away from them or that they, they've progressed somehow in education or in career. And they feel like that could be taken away from them just because of an instance of, yeah, someone even just talking about the way that they were dressing provocative and, and that instant fear within those parents, which is really unfortunate. And so, I, like I said, I think bringing up that conversation, I think for me, and I feel comfortable talking about it, um, but maybe because personally I've not endured really anything that I would say is too traumatizing, but I mean, I've had an instance in Yemen where I was, again, fully clothed, um, I was in a souk, um, like a shopping area, and I had my back towards kind of the, the walkway where people are walking back and forth, and I was looking at something um, at a stand, and like a man passes by and like grabs my ass, and I was 14, 15, and I remember like just freezing and not knowing what to do because when it happened, I thought maybe someone bumped into me, although like a bump and, and a hand are completely <laughs> two different you know, two different mm -hmm. feelings. And I turn and I look at him and as he's walking away, like he's looking at me and I just remember feeling so disgusting. Um, I wow. kid you not, like the whole time I was there, I could never go to that souk again. And just the idea of someone being behind me, like I like immediately just freeze and tense up because I just assumed that they would touch me. Um, but my, my fear, I think, or the way that I look at it as a possibility for women not speaking is also the, the idea of being um, silenced or the idea of negating them or saying that they're lying. And I think sometimes people can say, like, a man could just say, like, I didn't touch her, you know, I didn't do this. Or um, if a man is, you know, aggressive towards a woman, he might say she wanted it or lie and say she led him on. And, you know, they're scared of that coming out and saying, you know, well, was she leading him on? And then that conversation starts and you know how that goes. It's going to, it's going to grow into something. So mm -hmm. that fear too of, um, someone else taking or not that believed. conversation. Yeah. Not being not believed in the conversation being taken away from you that like that, the power to that, you know, narrative is taken away from you because someone could immediately just turn it on and say, actually, no, she was asking for it or, you know, she wanted it. She spoke to me about it or whatever it was, or she came towards me and I just did this. And the, you know what's weird, Anissa, is like men have the balls to say that. 
that to me is surprising because when they have the yeah. balls to say, yeah, I touched her, but she came to me. It's like, why do they feel so comfortable saying that they did touch her? Because they know that if the blame was on she came to me, then that's going to overpower the story mm. and not the fact that he touched her. Then it's like, yeah. oh, or whatever. Like you went to him. Okay, then the focus is on her and he's like free to go. She's left defending herself and she's probably like, I shouldn't have said anything in the first place. Anyways, I'm I'm getting a little frustrated, but <laughs> me too. I'm, like, I'm sorry, but it's okay. We need to have these conversations. I think um, we do. So I just, if anyone has any type of ideas or just any commentary, any points on what they think is important uh, to add into this conversation, send us a message or send me a message, and maybe like we'll come back on again and talk about these things, or maybe we can start an initiative together. I don't know, but. We need, we need us Muslim women, Muslim men, Muslim people to help our own Muslim communities in, when it comes to these types of things. So we'll see. Hopefully this, if it doesn't benefit anyone, it benefits us. And it can us. start, you know, it can start with just sharing stories yeah. and knowing that you're not alone in these experiences. The only power in sharing um, that can help. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, thank you um, so much. Thank you so much, Anissa, for joining me. Um, You're welcome. And, you know, it was kind of a, a little bit of a heavy conversation, but I appreciate you sticking through it and um, sharing some of your stories and some of your thoughts. Um, really happy to have you back on. And inshallah, I'll get to have you back on again, maybe next year. We'll do like an annual Inshallah. Thing. Thank you for listening in and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and follow this Muslim Girl podcast on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, check out the blog thismuslimgirl.com for all content information from this and all previous episodes.